Welcome to a new episode of the India Independent Films Podcast. This is Rahul Desai here. Um, I'm a film critic for Film Companion. I have with me again uh, my friend and the Mint film critic uh, Uday Bhatia. We are back. It's a bumper week of sorts. We haven't uh, we haven't done a podcast for a couple of weeks, so there is a bit of a backlog, so to say. But we are going to be discussing um, up to three titles which released last week. All three of them. um and for once it's uh, both of us have watched all the titles uh, i was just um, uh, ragging with a little about uh, me having watched all the titles and waiting on him to finish them but uh, for a change it's been a good week and <clears throat> we will be discussing to wow. him and uh, wait wait i'll give you a chance to speak it's fine uh, we we were discussing two hindi films which are uchai and monica oh my darling and the new black panther film so um uday yeah so um <laughs> i guess let's start with uh, the big hindi release of the week uh, yeah. which was uh, monica oh my darling um so um uh, let's start at a slightly less spoilery um uh, place and then maybe move to the central a uh, solid spoiler that comes in about midway and then you know yeah. maybe if uh, by the end of the discussion we can do the ending spoiler or we can leave that out depending on how things go uh, so from the i mean uh, this is a film um, uh, it's it's by vasan bala it's his third feature um mm-hmm. uh after peddlers which has become one of those like urban myths which because most people haven't seen it and someone is sitting on the on the rights of it and not releasing it online so uh, uh and then came marko darni hota uh, which was this really fun uh, martial arts comedy action film uh, which is fantastic and then this is a sort of um, noir pulp thriller pastiche um kind of mystery film uh it is not i think uh, uh any um shade on the film to say that uh, you know a lot of people's thoughts would have gone to shriram raghavan since mm-hmm. this is the kind of film that he sort of perfected but at the same time there are a lot of uh, uh things that are uh very specific to vasanmala sensibility that i think uh, come out in this and uh, shriram raghavan is of course thanked uh, in those opening credits and uh, we see a, a small clip of uh, johnny gaddar uh, playing uh, on tv uh, later in the film so there is a bit you know shriram raghavan is on um, uh, on vasanmala's mind uh, in the film also so uh, and um, uh in uh, to start you off with it's basically set at this uh, robotics firm um at uh, and the very first scene is uh, is this really fantastic uh, <laughs> murder which uh, which which had me like really laughing uh, and uh, it's it's basically someone uh, gets um, killed by one of the the machines uh, and we don't see who did it but we have a very good idea you know who could have and after that that character is basically like a ghost through the film is this guy called uh, gorav uh, mm. who's this sort of uh, uh, diffident looking 
not confident uh, uh, engineer uh, in, in that uh, in unicorn robotics and he um, and he just he he probably kills that guy we don't see him do it exactly uh, mm. and uh, he gets away with it and uh, then the film moves into the real story which is set like 6 months later and uh, this uh, uh, character played by rajkumar rao called jayant he is promoted to the board of directors and uh, he is also uh, 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 engaged to the daughter of the ceo who's uh, satya narayan adhikari and um, he is also uh, as we very quickly learn having an affair with the um, with satya narayan secretary uh, whose name is monica she is played by uh, huma qureshi and uh, all this information comes like like in about two sequences very quickly and so any uh, any illusions that we may have had about jayant being like this sort of golden boy are very quickly shattered uh, uh, by that time and um, soon we move into the next revelation which is that monica uh, tells jayant that she's uh, pregnant and uh, she then sort of without exactly saying that she's blackmailing him blackmails him uh, mm-hmm. saying that he'll have to keep up this list of expenses for the the unborn child's upkeep and her silence about the affair and uh, uh, it kind of goes from there so uh, uh, rahul um, yeah. uh, uh, as of this point uh, where did you uh, like how are you uh, on the film like what what did you think it was trying to do and and you uh, and did you sort of um, like the the opening sequence and then the credits are a very uh, fun pastiche of these yeah. sort of old 60s hindi film uh, 70s hindi film numbers uh, and so where where were you by the time the film was about half an hour in yeah so the, i mean the first thing that came to my mind when i was watching the first 20 minutes is like this is your wet dream uh, <laughs> because i'm like there are like at least uh, like 20 easter eggs in the first 20 minutes itself and i'm like <laughs> this uh, this really this really appeals to a certain kind of uh, viewer and that viewer was you for me in my head and uh, I, i'm like uh, this is this is his black and white uh, this is his uh, dream uh, but um, but yeah it it was very interesting because see you expect this from vasanbala obviously we saw matkodar neota very enjoyable um slightly more remote in scale compared to this obviously this is scaled up a bit um this is a little more unabashed in its uh, in its tribute tones uh, so to say and uh, yeah like the first 20 30 minutes i was really hooked like just as you said it, it begins with a phenomenally staged murder sequence in in the robotics lab and it's hard not to get like immediately like sucked into the film and then there's this brilliant uh, wonderful opening credit sequence over that over the item song so to say by monica and and uh, it's it's you know i couldn't i couldn't like take my eyes away because this is uh, pretty first of all this is pretty much everything most of us grew up on like watching hindi films and all and you know irrespective of the actual specificity of the of the little odes he does it's it just felt really fun like it just looked really fun uh, in the first you could sense that here's a filmmaker not really trying to show off this is just him um making the kind of film he wants to make and sort of 
hat tipping his own life in a way and i like that about him even in his previous film i don't think this is meant for the like i've been seeing a lot of threads going on twitter facebook which is great i expected that great fun that oh spot the easter egg threads basically or spot the reference yeah yeah, yeah. there are a lot of those going around a lot of those go, going around and great for trivia freaks and like a lot of but you know the thing is sometimes we tend to get carried away in they trying to spot the references and then you know really missing the point of the film itself or how the references or how the entire tone fits into the larger um you know larger context of the story or the narrative or the kind of film he wants to make and i mean that tends to happen to us as critics as well you know sometimes we spot something in a film we get really excited saying oh shit this is the what the filmmaker wanted to say or do or this is the little homage he he or she paid and we got it and maybe nobody else will get it but that's the thing with vasan bala i feel like it's more than that um with his films and which is because people like anurag kashyap also tend to get a little over carried away i like that about shriram raghavan that you know hat tips apart there is he's some he's creating something entirely original out of things we've seen before out of uh, different genres out of pulp out of uh, pulp fiction out of so many things that he's grown up on so you can sense the affection of the filmmakers for the kind of material you know they've taken on and uh, i sense that with vasan bala very early in the film and for me uh, obviously the premise was a great addition to it like it's a very obviously it's a very uh, you know like raghavan sort of neo noir sort of thing set in pune again um, you know this middle class maharashtra thing which we don't really enough see enough in bollywood films uh, especially with this murder mystery genre um i really liked it and i i you know about something you mentioned that it opens with the murder sequence and then we go to the real uh, story uh, yes. so that is basically what kept me thinking throughout the film saying and, and especially towards the end we'll get to the spoilers and all later but it wasn't so much a murder mystery was it because it it was really about what we perceive as the original narrative or as yeah. a, against in a film right like because it started with what we thought was unrelated to the film because it's not brought back till like say midway or mm-hmm. towards the end of the film it ends pretty much the same way but then you are starting to wonder saying okay then was giant's narrative actually the um, you know the secondary one or was this one and that's fun you know that's a good thing to make the viewer think about because i really am a sucker for like um, filmmakers that experiment with um with narratives with storytelling and then challenge our perception of how a particular genre is supposed to uh, sort of play out and i i really thought that uh, vasan bala cinephilia and the way he's sort of created this entire tone in this film contributes to how we feel or our experience of the narrative because it really isn't about who the killer is you know yeah. because yeah. he's he's sort of, he's pretty much revealed midway to the film yeah. and we are not willing to look at it and he is also trying to get attention you know of the narrative yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it's like, not even a mystery at at uh, after a point yeah. and that was so weird because i was like if they are you know signaling this so so clearly then either they have something up their sleeve mm. or something's gone a bit wrong in the writing like it was you know i was reminded of bomkesh bakshi the mm. sushant singh rajput one where again like it was so clearly we knew who the you know person was by the end like the the main villain was that um, 
that that you know we we were kind of hoping that something else would come and it didn't come in that film like mm-hmm. in in that film what we suspected all along was what the big reveal was and out here it kind of plays with that and then you know we do get yeah. uh, a couple of twists like right towards the end why don't you uh, why don't you take us to the to the big mid midpoint reveal so that this can become a sikandar kher stan podcast <laughs> Oh yeah, that's that. That was like I. I was really. Uh, I was almost sad that he was the one who was killed. Uh, <laughs> so basically, to take up the speed, like whoever was listening, uh, it's basically about like obviously Jayant, who's Rajkumar Rao, is being blackmailed by Huma Gureshi's character. Then he realizes that two other colleagues in the office are going through the same thing with her, which one of them is Sikandar Kher, who's the son of the CEO. Another is the accountant. um and all three of them then you know meet in the shady hotel join forces and decide to bump monica off like they are like okay let's just we are left with no other alternative she's a gold digger she's doing this to all three of us uh, let's kill her and sikandar kaid becomes the leader of this plan uh he is obviously you know the more ruthless one of the three so he comes up with this entire convoluted plan uh, uh you know which which sort of criss crosses between two or three different towns and cities in maharashtra and be like we'll dispose of her body in a certain way and that's uh, that's uh, over the original monica oh my darling song we see this entire plan being executed um and you know rajkumar rao is supposed to transport the body the accountant is supposed to dispose of it and sikandar kher's character is uh, who is who's called nishkant he's supposed to kill he's supposed to do the most difficult thing and then we find out uh, not even midway through the film or you know like pretty early on that uh, after disposing of the body and everything's done it's it's you know sort of covered up so we can't see the identity of the body obviously we discover that humakureshi is still alive the secretary arrives at office and she is hale and hearty and rajkumar rao and the accountant are shocked and they realize that they actually disposed of sikandar kaise body and he was the one who was killed now obviously the rest of the film is more or less in the same vein saying okay who is the killer if they had planned to kill monica is monica doing it is uh, and there are more deaths to the film as well and uh, you know it has uh, my favorite part is there are snakes involved in this and mm. i really like that like i i was a big fan of uh, the way they brought back this whole very retro way of murder which is cobras and like venom and uh, it was great fun and uh, there are few deaths through the, the accountant is killed at one point through the film uh, uh, there are um, uh, there are one or two more murders and it's the identity of the murderer that is pretty much supposed to keep the film uh, sort of uh, going on and and uh, was that the reveal right the sikandar kher character basically being killed off yeah 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 the and and you know and monica is still very much alive and yeah. then you kind of start wondering like uh, what is going on and um, uh, I, there's also an eccentric cop who sort of lands up yeah. uh, in um, uh, played by radhika apte <clears throat> uh, acp naidu and uh, <laughs> i thought she was fantastic uh, yeah. too along with sikandar kher i thought like both those performances was just so funny yeah. i mean uh, sikandar kher is just such a horrible uh, guy but he's 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 just he's he's got such timing uh, he's uh, he's he's really funny he's like one of those sort of brutish 
large guys who but very commanding like you can you can see why someone like jayant and and the accountant would go along with his plan uh, even though it sounds crazy because he's just he has such a presence and such a charisma and uh, <laughs> but he also has that sort of entitled son of a industrialist uh kind of uh, <laughs> uh, air about him and you can see why his dad doesn't think he's anything great uh but uh, he he does have like a commanding personality and uh, sikandar khair is hilarious and um radhika apte is is just in like having a great time i think she just came in uh with a mood to be silly and uh, very weird and she's playing the uh, the most like eccentric cop you can imagine she just sort of breaks off starts laughing starts singing uh, there's um, uh, <laughs> there's a fantastic uh, 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 set piece which involves uh, rajkumar rao hanging off a building uh, while there's a incriminating piece of paper that sort of floated down and the cops are not seeing it and it's like the classic hitchcock sequence where you know something is there something's going to go wrong but then it's being stretched that thing is not happening and the audience knows what has to happen but it's not happening and it just goes on and on and on and there's this uh fantastic sort of jagjit singh like song uh <laughs> on the soundtrack uh, and uh, it's is just going on and that's like one hell of a sequence and it kind of just keeps going on uh, on like this and um, it's uh, there's also a terrific sort of fight between uh, rajkumar rao and huma qureshi which gets like really gritty and sort of uh, yeah. they really um, they go for it like a physical fight uh, and um, yeah i was uh, I, i just thought it was handled so well and when you know you'd mention the cinephilia and all that i think if with this film even more than mard ko dard nahi hota i think the you could not know any of the um, uh, of the hat tips that he's doing uh, bala is doing and still enjoy this film on its own terms which i think wasn't maybe like in mard ko dard i felt there still some of the point of the film was people getting like some of the references but out here i think the references are even though there are so many of them it is still incidental to someone's like a lay person's yeah. enjoyment of the film i think it just works yeah. by itself as this sort of noir very black comedy yeah that's that's a great point about the cinephilia or the the, the kind of sort of tone he is really used for the film and i, I felt like uh, you know i mean you sense that you've seen a lot of this before you sense that okay you know what he's doing here maybe it's some film from you know uh, so and so era and some character or some like little detail which is great but as uday said you know as you said it it just works on its work it works on its own in isolation as well and and i, I think that's that's a difficult thing to do especially because we see so many hindi mainstream hindi films lately like really using nostalgia or fetishizing nostalgia and using it as a device to sort of attract the viewer and like keep the viewer invested but then forgetting about you know an a narrative having to be sort of structured on its own and you know tvf tends to do that with their shows 
uh, we saw like a film as recent as phone boot do something like that mm-hmm. uh, with katrina kaif and the two those two guys and and you know going overboard with the whole pop culture sort of uh, easter egg thing and then at the same time really not making sense and just putting it all together and hoping that viewers get happy when they see things they recognize uh, it's a very human nature thing of course but uh, as you said in monica oh my darling it really contributes to more like for, for me how it worked was basically uh, this entire sort of smoke screen he used of his uh, of the references and the words and all the style that we see in the film uh, made me really ponder about the bollywood pot boiler about the uh, about the structure of um, how we tend to view masala films or perceive mainstream films uh, mm. and how when we watch these films or if they are who done it or murder mysteries or thrillers uh, we don't really look towards the corner of a frame uh, enough and uh, there are a lot of supporting characters and a lot of uh, character actors so to say that uh, are used in particular roles or pigeonholed as uh, particular people uh, in these films and it's always about the protagonist and we never really concentrate enough on you know the people around that protagonist and i felt like this was a nice little subversion of that because the narrator that we mentioned at the beginning of the film the murder at the lab comes back in the end almost as a way of saying that you know we were right here in you know broad daylight all along nobody was willing to see us and it, it yeah, sort of yeah. really tied into how we view a huma qureshi type vamp of vamp character or uh, or or the or the guy uh, who executes a murder in the first scene uh, uh, how we view uh, you know the friend the sort of childhood friend in in certain in old bollywood films as well they just come and go and they don't really contribute to the arc except for maybe you know a scene or two of drama or comedy they use for particular emotions and that's it but here uh, i think they were driving the narrative and the rajkumar rao character um, you know is actually without really knowing it he's not uh, so much the protagonist of the film as he thinks he is even though the camera is on him the story is about him uh, he's really stealing the limelight of something else that was happening there was a love triangle that was happening at the beginning of the film and that really uh, is so frustrating for the characters involved in that sort of particular triangle that they keep trying to sort of hijack the narrative back with the murders uh, but it never really happens so I, you know it worked for me on multiple levels in that sense like uh, the entire sort of film and and you know casting actors like sikandar kher who've always been around but not gotten their dues uh, not used properly in bollywood films uh, sikandar kher then even sukant goel who we've yeah. seen in a bunch of films by now but yeah. again you know only as those one scene two scene characters in the dibakar film in in the anurag kashyap film but uh, it, it's it's very smart casting as well and you know the way they play the characters like you know um, the sikandar kher character you mentioned he really like he has you can sense that they've come with a particular sort of uh, sort of idea of how they want to uh really go overboard with this character like the way he's using his face throughout the two or three scenes that he's there like he has this very wide eyed shocked look on his face that yeah. is trying to basically it almost reminded me of richard prior in the superman film one of the superman <laughs> uh, when he just constantly looks like drunk or high but he's also having fun at the expense of the environment around him yeah, so i yeah. thought like that was really fun like it and as you tweeted also i think that he plays the kind of character uh who 
you know who when he goes wrong or when he fails at something would be funnier uh which which really is actually uh you know sort of a very uh, deceptively skillful performance to pull off same with radhika apte very freestyle performance reminded yeah. me of performance in the anurag kashyap short film yeah uh, the last story is one yeah. i i thought of that also it, mm. it really is like that and she's great in that mold because oh, yeah. you know mostly i don't think she's offered comic roles and she gets mm. a lot of dramatic roles which she's also great in but she has a uh, she has like this very sort of free free flowing way of doing comedy which seems completely off the cuff i mean even here which i'm sure must have been more scripted than her uh, last story's role but even here she makes it seem like you know a lot of the stuff is just flowing out of that character at that time mm-hmm. uh, there's a thing that you mentioned in your review which i thought was really interesting you'd uh, mention that how jayant is kind of like these other strivers who are trying to like yeah. be on the up in life and of course bazigar is a touchstone for that kind of thing and you'd also mentioned uh, gehraiya and zain in that and yeah. uh, w- uh, that is a really cool um, uh, ca- kind of comparison zain and jayant because they are not that different if you think about it i mean they they are you know they're coming from different economic strata mm. but it's just like once you've made it and yeah. the the lengths that you will go to continue being in that thing and how important it is for you and how much you would like to leave behind like the earlier version of you become mm. so important you know you uh, it just the way that jayant kind of dismisses uh, his sister uh, yeah. because she reminds him of you know where he comes from and and the whole idea that you know even in that very early on the uh, gorav gives uh, uh, jayant this sort of gold watch Uh, as as a yeah. uh, you know as a token of congratulations that he's got promoted but uh, it's a gold watch is an old fashioned way of, of of doing it it's like you know you do you know 30 years of service in a in a public service company and uh, then you kind of get a gold watch mm-hmm. and uh, jayanth has already in his mind moved on from that he wants like a he 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 wants something like more uh uh up, upper uh, upper crust than uh you know a, a, a lifetime achievement thing that a gold watch would uh, signify and there are all these just these little things that that show how much jayant who is like probably not a terrible guy but he's just uh, he just so badly wants to leave his life of of hard work and uh, uh, and move up and and be one of the 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 rich and and famous like his uh, like his girlfriend and like his uh, prospective father in law yeah i mean he's just one step short of being a zen right of geraya like he's basically that entire fight sequence with huma kureshi which is so brilliantly done yeah, uh, yeah. and he looks at that moment where he looks at himself in the refle- he looks at his reflection and realizing he's become sort of a beast and he's there's no control and right. that's where he stops right that is where basically that's the, that's the thin line that uh, someone like in bazigar or in geraya crossed right like they have no there's no uh, and that exact line is what makes this film so interesting because he's a striver he's ruthless he'll do anything short to get, uh, climb the ladder um, but at the same time there's that sliver of humanity left in him that's frustrating him as well 
because he can't go the whole hog he can't first of all he could not uh, you know he, he was in the sort of murderer of the huma koreshi plot that they had uh, sort of conceived and he wasn't going to kill her and in the end when he does want to like really harm her he can't do it fully uh, so he can't really play that role of a striver the way a lot of uh, bollywood strivers we've seen over the years like even like uh, so many of them and and that's what makes them so great the, the anti hero character basically and i think that's that's the frustration of not being able to be that hero that person is uh, what really sort of bleeds into the film which i thought was very interesting uh, because uh, you know just when you think just when you think that and technically is really not murdered anyone in this film or committed a crime uh, yeah. and and that's the thing and just when you think uh, just when he thinks he's gotten away with the whole thing and uh, a couple of white lies here and there uh especially to the cops and all and that that entire karma thing is again again something the snakes and ladders thing that we saw in garaya we seen a lot of these films that play with these spiritual themes but put it in a very accessible uh very very uh, sort of um, you know like right there manner and uh, i really appreciated that this film was not all style you know there was so much if you really want to read into it or you want to actually examine your relationship with bollywood films this is a great film to do that with yeah i i, I agree it's uh, and and you know this is i mean we had discussed uh, in our previous uh, when when we were doing darlings uh, on on the podcast how the only thing that netflix actually is getting right in india is these uh, like these uh, little noirs that it's doing and it's it's doing them across genres so it's doing them like a noir western with thar or uh, uh, with darlings it's the noir domestic drama out here is a noir pulp thriller and uh, every time it's turning out something uh, pretty interesting yeah and even the nawaz film right like a couple of years ago uh, sorry which one the nawazuddin film uh, oh yeah absolutely uh, the um, uh yeah uh, just before we move on to which i uh, don't don't go method and set it up the way the film sets it up because you know we'll be here a long time uh, yeah you know uh yeah so that's that's pretty much it about uh, uh, you know the the our favorite film of the week uh, which was monica oh my darling do watch it especially for uh, you know achin thakkar's great soundtrack and you know it's I, again as so many people have been rightfully saying it, it's not just a homage it's not just an ode it works on its own so well uh, it feels very original at the same time despite being uh, uh, you know bunch of pastiches put together which which is a good uh, nice little segue into how terrible amit trivedi's career is and how it's reached rock bottom with uchai oh yeah and uchai i will come to the music but i just thought it should be mentioned first off because he was all of our favorite music directors for the longest time in the last decade especially the way he sort of reinvented the entire shankar ehsan loy aspirational anthemist template uh, which had become stale 
uh, and and you know the way he sort of really mixed so many genres together uh, and it's just it's been the downfall's been a little depressing to hear uh, and it does actually really hit home with a film like uchai we will come to you know how forgettable the soundtrack is uh, that's also for me one of the big problems with uchai which needed good music because it was actually a very on paper it was a nice little manipulative bollywood drama that could have worked you know in in better hands but anyways so i'm going to set up uchai here it's basically about three uh, old delhi men uh, who been friends for most of their lives um who and the fourth friend of theirs who's uh, played by Danny Denzompa he is a nepal uh, he comes from nepal his dream was to uh, do the everest base camp trek he's the fittest of them all obviously and he dies at the beginning of the film so three of them decide to do that trek in his memory uh, of course they are unfit of course they are old of course they are not like really meant to each of them plays to a type and uh, you know anupam kai pretty much plays himself uh, which is great because he's he's like he's a Uh, he plays a nice little uh, upper caste brahmin very hindu character religious character who's also very whiny he's the whiniest of the three friends yeah. uh, uh amitabh plays you know obviously the stable head and he has a tragic back story which we come to find out later through the film he's a he's a world famous author not a world famous but in india world famous in india author uh, <laughs> who also writes books for young students and who is an inspirational sort of author for them and he is a millionaire at the same time he drives around in a mercedes and all i'd love to know this light i don't know i'm not part of the delhi lit circle but i'm pretty sure this is not how it works uh but um, and the third one is obviously bomanirani plays a, a salesman a clothes salesman called javed and uh, his wife is neena gupta and uh, yeah they set off on a road uh, trip uh, from delhi to nepal to kathmandu and they have a couple of pit stops on the way in kanpur and in and gorakhpur and a lot of things because you know obviously you have to sort of there are three different journeys to sort of resolve here come of age here and uh, uh, the film does its thing as as predicted and uh, and the second half at least uh, most of the second half is set at, at the trek itself where pariniti chopra again uh, emerges and plays um, plays the leader of the trek uh, the instructor and uh, she is the group and she basically there's a conflict between young and old again as you know you'd come to expect from uh, a film like this uh, uday you can take it from here um yeah so the reason they're going there is that their uh, friend uh, bhupen uh, who's played by danny denzongpa is mm-hmm. um, he's passed away and uh, he he's from nepal and he loved uh, you know he loved the mountains and his great wish in life was to have his friends go with him to the everest base camp uh, which uh, seemed ridiculous because there are three sort of old not very fit uh, uh, people who are very set in their lives and um, so it probably would not have happened but dinzongpa uh, the bhupen uh, dies and uh, they've um, they uh, before that the night before that was uh, bhupen's birthday and they'd made a drunken promise that they would actually fulfill his uh, everest um, wish uh, with him 
but uh, and uh, Bhupin acted on it apparently after that in his drunken state. I guess I didn't think that through, but he must have booked the tickets while being yeah. drunk himself. And um, they bo- he basically booked tickets for all of them to go on this trek. And then he dies the next morning. Uh, so these three are stuck in uh, in 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 a predicament whether uh, they should just uh, immerse his ashes in like uh, uh, Banaras or whether they should go to the mountains. And they take the uh, uh, I guess the difficult decision, uh, the unpragmatic decision of actually going to Everest, and they kind of try and get fit in two months in uh, a, in a montage that. Uh, I don't think would have pleased Rahul, uh, who's uh, <laughs> finicky with these montage things. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, and they, um, the trailer kind of led me to believe that most of the film would be um, unfolding in the mountains. I hadn't, you know, reckoned on it being this, uh, a lot of it being this road movie in which they very leisurely sort of pick up these emotional crises. Uh, uh, each of them picks up uh, 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 one one or two crises. Um, uh, then you know each uh, all involving family really, uh, yeah. and um, you know kids that don't uh, really have time for them anymore. Um, a brother who is sort of. Uh, grown even more distant from the time when uh, you know the Anupam Kher character saw him last and uh, these kind of um, accumulate and we know what the film is going to do basically that it will take them up there and you know with Everest in sight it will then you know uh, force them to solve these problems so it's not like it's a big uh, mystery where the film is going to go and you know how it's going to end and stuff. uh, Raul, did you um, did you have problem with the film's pacing? Uh, it, it's a really long film. Uh, it's sort of uh, just under three hours, and uh, it, it really takes its time. I mean, yeah, like, but the thing is, when you see Surat Bajaja's name in the, as a director, yeah. you're like, okay. Yeah. I mean, you're you're sort of prepared for it, and as you said, you know, it it really spends too much time on the road. Um, could have really shortened a bunch of that and like spent more time in the mountains, but I get it like logistically, it might have been more difficult as well. Uh, you know, to be honest, I kind of like the idea on paper in the sense like I I like it when filmmakers try to challenge themselves, you know, like Bajatya stands for a certain kind of genre, certain yeah. kind of, you know, like traditional over everything, family over everything sort of thing he's been doing over the years. Never really understood young people, which I thought was a nice little design of Amitabh's character in this because he's writing books that for young people without really understanding them. I think he was a stand-in for Bhagyate himself. So I felt like there was a effort to be a little more introspective and honest. Like, like you know, I I almost I I stopped short of writing. This is like Irishman for him, uh, like what Irishman was to Scorsese. Uh, basically, uh, sort of really appending his own template over the years and saying that, you know, when it comes to mortality, age, it happens when veteran filmmakers sort of get older, they tend to like, you know, make more honest films once in a while. And I thought Bajatya's effort was that with this film. My problem with the film, of course, was the fact that the tone and the treatment was very much like a Rajshree film. Mm. And I don't think it was merited 
in a film that's supposed to make us question everything that Rajshree has stood for over the years. Uh, You know, smart idea on paper again, because uh, it takes a lot, you know, like for someone as sort of entrenched into Bollywood tradition, into Bollywood... uh, and most of our veteran filmmakers refuse to move on and evolve. And when you see someone trying, like, you know, like a Bajatya making a film with three old men, you know, really facing their fears, uh, confronting. You know, their- a lot of location shooting also. I mean, I, I, I do admire the effort of that, like, uh, you know, on the road, leaving his favorite thing, which is to be in like a garish house yeah. where everything sort of unfolds. And, but, you know, I, I think it, it at least signals a bit of openness that, okay, you know, I, I'd like to do something different. I'd yeah. like to go out a bit. I mean, it's still very kind of very small C, chintzy sort of thing. Very, you know, good vibes happening. Uh, mm. But uh, there is that, uh, I, I did like the fact that he's sort of uh, pushed the idea of what people might expect from his film. And like, at least in, in terms of like its uh, general uh, uh, central idea, which is to have things on the move, on the road, and have these sort of uh, three uh, uh, people encounter um, themselves really. and And... I do, you know, it's kind of weird because I I do like the bleakness of their predicaments a bit. Mm. Even at the end, once they've reached the mountain and they've reached base camp and stuff, it's not like their problems are in any way resolved. They are basically stuck with exactly the problems that they have. It's that they have, you know, they've sort of come to terms with that by the end. But Mm. like their kids don't like them any better their wife, yeah, Javed's wife, Nina, uh, played by Nina Gupta, she is sort of said that she wants to become a different person and she, she's going to need her husband to be less dependent on her. Um, you know, the Amitabh Bachchan character is revealed to have um, uh, uh, Alzheimer's and uh, so that's going to be, you know, a huge challenge going forward. And it's not a... a it's not like it leaves us in a very happy place if you think about it more. Even yeah. though the vibes on the surface are always positive, happy, mm. sort of gentle things, it is a slightly bleaker film than than it would sort of mm. appear to be at first glance. That's that's a good point. But also at the same time, I felt like the, there was the idea of doing that, what you mentioned, saying mm. that let's not resolve everything just because we've introduced it. Uh, and I think that's what happened for most part. But then, you know, you have this very typical traditional Bollywood thing where you just can't help yourself. And you have Amitabh's character, his sort of wife who's been in depression for all these years, call him and saying, come back. Yeah. And yeah. then you have Anupam Kher sort of uh, calling his son and saying, sell the shop. And and, and at the same time, Bowman Irani calling up Nina Gupta and showing her Everest and saying, uh, you know, this is what, this is and that's it like it's implied that things are resolved even though there is no concrete resolution as such like i would have appreciated it if they did without those damn phone calls in the end Uh, i agree yeah and and that's done so abruptly that you can even see that this is like the last minute Mm. uh, reverting to 
yeah. as as you mentioned in the review, reverting to tradition, resetting to tradition. It was mm. literally that because it's such a badly written scene. Mm. All three of them, like one by one, resolving <laughs> their issues. It's uh, I, it's not it, it's even this film with a slightly wonky screenplay is better than that. But in that mm. one scene, it's just. It's so contrived that moment. Mm. I, you're right. It kind of lets itself down at that point. Also, mm. uh, what do you think of the three of them together? I am, <laughs> I am a huge Bhumani Rani fan. I, yeah. I think he's one of the great actors of his generation who's never really gotten the mm. a the chances and b the respect. But mm. he always does well whenever he gets like a you know even a small chance. He kind of grabs it. He's he's never not been. like uh yeah. very watchable for me uh and uh, i thought he was again very watchable out here i have of, of the three of them i i enjoyed his thing and i i kind of i i liked the three of them together i was wishing at so many points that this was a better written film a smarter yeah. film uh mm. with you know slightly um slightly better shaded characters and uh, i think if you'd got these three actors but like with a slightly better script and a slightly you know uh, less uh, jaded sort of um, idea uh, central idea i think it would have I, i think it could have been a lot better I, I, because i did enjoy the three the three of them together yeah i mean i actually you know come to think about it like i really didn't write about their performances because it just felt like it was fine like you know there was nothing wrong with how they like anur like uh, uh, you know anupam kher was a little over the top but yeah. i guess that was his character uh, amitabh bachchan playing amitabh bachchan in a different way a bit of black here a bit of bagban there a bit of you know everything um, yeah. and uh, and you know baman irani as you mentioned like very watchable again uh, i suggest you know if you given that we are fans of baman and he's not been around for a long time and he's now Tech more or less made a comeback this year. Um, you watch Masoom, I think the show on Hotstar, um, which is which is his first streaming, uh, basically his web series, and he is very good in that. And that was technically his official comeback this year. And I'm very glad to see him back on screen, even in the mainstream sense. Uh, uh, yeah, in the film, yeah, and yeah, and his character in this. Uh, and the marriage with neena gupta again you know a nice little hat tip to the barjatia marriages how so much interdependence is there and how that interdependence is glorified all these years and here they are questioning that same little thing and it reminded me so much of threshold because of neena gupta you know because of it, they were heading in a certain direction where uh, you know both husband and wife who've been together for so long and almost it's becoming almost unhealthy how they can't do anything without each other and how they control each other and how maybe one wants to break free but again it stops short of really showing us how that might happen that that scene in the car where baman tells her that i can't live without you but you know i i i'll resent you for the rest of my life if you can't live with me if you don't let me do this trick i thought that was the closest it got to being edgy and actually showing the dynamics of a long term marriage a long term indian marriage uh, that 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 you know it was fairly mature of the film to even head into that territory even though i don't think it was equipped to really uh, you know see it through 
but uh, i i was quite reminded of you know in general when i see neena gupta playing a wife in long term marriages i get like really uh, i i feel like she plays it better than most people and baman and and even the way uh, you know anupam kher sort of conflict about him seeing his brother in uh, gorakhpur and seeing that that house that uh, ancestral house of theirs has gone to the dogs and yeah. nobody has taken care of it that again you know as you said uh, it was bajatya basically trying to get out of that comfort zone of showing or shooting within this garage palace and this is that garage palace like yeah. how <laughs> yeah that's you true know. i mean in in anupam kher's head it still was until he yeah. you know until the moment he actually sees it he's like you know yahan se jhankiyan nikalti thi ah. and like ye shaan wo shaan and all that and then he sees it and it's really yeah. decrepit so it's literally like a uh you know a barjatya set as it would have been in his mind yeah yeah so yeah that as you know that's what i appreciated about this film so it wasn't a total bust for me i'm just i get more disappointed when films waste a good idea or good good uh, an honest sort of insight into the filmmaker because it's impossible to watch this film or write about this film or enjoy this film without knowing about the filmmaker right like it's that kind of film you will not derive any uh joy from this film or any emotion from this film if you don't know who suraj varjate is and what he's represented over the years and sometimes to make sense of a film you have to uh make sense of the filmmaker and if you understand what he's trying to do here i kind of like that but i i was just disappointed that they didn't go the whole way and i don't think he was equipped as well like i still feel like he's not equipped to talk about young people like he could not help but shade throw shade at younger people in this film despite the fact that he didn't really villainize them but the pariniti character was very close to that and she was acting like a little brat uh, on on the trek and she was being very insensitive to the old people like a bagban daughter or a son and the same for you know uh, yeah same for bag uh, same for even woman uh, daughter as well like uh, the daughter and son in law they look like nice people and you are you are basically seeing bajatya saying you know uh, there's a scene right after that where amitabh's character explains to baman and his wife that you know actually we were wrong to drop in without telling them and maybe it's our fault and give some very lame analogy about how kids when they were young when they were at birthday parties they never expected their parents to be around or we weren't around so why should we uh, expect the same and you know it felt like really half hearted and very um, coming from a boomer basically trying to show balance uh, trying to say that okay we understand both perspectives but he really does not i i still feel like uh, bajatya film cannot help but be sympathetic towards the older generation which is fair but then don't pretend to understand the younger people like amitabh's character does through his books uh, it doesn't work like that and that felt a little uh, superficial and just there for the heck of it it felt like very tokenistic no i can I, i i agree with all of that and uh, uh, in the end it's i i think it's a film that sort of um, I, i think it knows its audience is definitely not going to be like anyone under 40 uh, seeing it willingly at least and yeah. um, it kind of plays up uh, its old personness uh, mm-hmm. through the whole thing sometimes quite well uh sometimes very ham-handedly and um, if you're watching it you'll just have to take that as a given and 
Yeah, not be in a hurry because it's like 170 minutes. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that that should be enough for Ujjayi. Um, what about Amit Trivedi before we go? Oh God, it's it's just it's become a sad uh, <laughs> tradition now because we've I think uh, really uh, we've we've done like three or four episodes now in which we've just talked about how terrible Amit Trivedi's music is getting and. Uh, it's just i it's just it it has no personality it's just it's it's it has less personality than like shankar sanloy when they had lost their personality and uh, i i never thought that would be possible with someone like him it's uh, it's it's just really sad yeah i guess i mean yeah we do like tend to repeat ourselves but it particularly pains us when you know some of the most talented artists of uh our generation sort of go through this slump and doesn't show any signs of coming out of it getting worse with every film we are obviously rooting for people like amit trivedi because their music pretty much defined our careers as film critics even getting into the line he was at his peak so for us bollywood music um, sort of his his hindi film music really defined how we felt about the films we wrote about as well so yeah so like, like hoping that there's some magical sort of upturn sometime in the future maybe by working with directors like raghavan or kashyap or people or just like people who understand even imtiaz ali for that matter people who just know good music like in films and and that would be nice uh, but yeah that's pretty much it with uh, this film uchai uh, uh, which you know as you may have uh, um sensed is not entirely a bad film it's just a little disappointing um as uday said the old personness is really played up effective in some scenes even i have to admit i'm a big fan of old personness in films because um first of all obviously because i think all our parents and everyone are aging at the same time we are also heading towards uh middle age very swiftly uday more than me uh but <laughs> but yeah i think it's, it's coming from a very personal space most of the time but uh, yeah having said that uh, let's talk about a very young film next uh, before we wrap up the podcast a quick uh, little discussion about black panther wakanda forever which is uh, as uday would tell you it is a marvel film it is a mcu film which me and uday used to watch quite a bit when he was still in bombay and we used to Uh, i used to very reluctantly go for a few screenings of the marvel films with him even though he used to be reviewing them far more than i did but now i'm back to uh, writing about a lot of marvel films uh, because i realized that if i say no to a particular genre which is the marvel genre or the superhero genre i'll be left with nothing to write about because that's all that's been releasing in the last 5 years so here we are with black panther wakanda forever which by the way for me really worked i really like the film but today you can uh, you know sort of just quickly go through this yeah i actually have not written about this one but i i saw it later in a very weird double bill by the way after park chan wook's uh, thirst so and we i saw that from about 10 to 11:30 and then from uh, 12 o'clock onwards uh, saw like a midnight midnight screening of black panther two uh, films um, more disparate i cannot think of and um, i'm glad the order was not reversed because to go from black panther to uh, the vampires um, it's kind of uh, mutilating each other uh, in a good way 
uh, yeah. would just have been too much and i don't think i would have ever watched a film again after that um, so thankfully that was the order and um, yeah so uh black panther as as we know wakanda forever is the sequel to the 2018 film which was also directed by ryan coogler and uh, in the middle there was the um, uh the tragic death of chadwick boseman um which i think we had marked when we had done our uh, uh, five bloods um, episode yeah. on this podcast but uh, very sad and uh, an actor that Uh, both of us really liked and that was just really uh, that that was just a very very sad uh, thing and uh, but uh, they had uh, already you know plans for a sequel and then um, they had to figure out how to do it and what they basically uh, are uh, showing in the film is that uh, tchala uh dies like from an illness uh, right at the start uh, we did not see boseman obviously and uh, he, and uh, they they're trying to revive him from that and shuri um his sister in particular tries to sort of uh, recreate the the herb which was destroyed by killmonger in the last film uh, uh but uh, doesn't manage to do that and he dies and she of course takes that doubly hard because she feels like she failed her brother in the one time that mm. uh, you know that he 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 asked her to help him and uh, then we move on to a year later where wakanda is um, you know under various kinds of threats uh, the less important one is that uh, people are trying to find vibranium outside of wakanda and the french in the us and uh, other uh, nations are trying to mine it somewhere else and um, uh, this leads to the bigger threat which is that there is a us um, uh, 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 team that finds possibly vibranium under the ocean and that team is attacked and completely wiped out and we learn that it is a, a, a tribe that lives under the ocean um uh, called the talokan and uh, they are led by uh, this sort of uh, the, the uh, this um, super being he he describes himself as a mutant uh, so um, his, his name is namor and uh, he then you know sets his sights on wakanda and mm. uh, in the beginning there is a sort of uh, 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 suggestion of an alliance but um, it's never really uh, possible because uh, his his attitude always is is always seems like a threat um and um, it's it's never really going to be an alliance like that that is not on the cards and uh, very soon you know there is um, you know they they are in uh, a war and they have to kind of figure that out and uh, so shuri along with um, uh, the queen uh, played by um, angela bassett and um, and of course uh, okoye and um, uh, they they have to kind of figure out how they are going to match uh, namor who uh, who also has the, you know the power of vibranium and so they've never faced an enemy who has vibranium before and therefore you know they are kind of they quickly find out that they might be overmatched hmm. yeah that's that's pretty much the setup for the film uh, and 
of course you know very avatar like this little new world uh, of namor that we see with blue skinned people underwater underwater kingdom um, uh, really fascinating direction that um, the sequel chooses i that's actually what really worked for me you know the machinations of the premise apart like not a big fan of you know uh, a couple of things that happen in the film especially the set pieces and which tend to veer towards marvel's own most uh, times and in the introduction of riri williams who's basically another prodigy uh, and whose sort of invention really drives the premise i thought like it was really roundabout in a way but i really do you think the they could have gone in a better direction than this because obviously it has been obviously because of you know the tragic sort of uh, passing of uh, bozeman himself uh, they must have had a sequel in mind when he was alive and they had to obviously pivot and yeah. the pivoting tends to often be a compromise but i thought this was very very for me it was very very honest um, and a very head on way to deal with how you come to terms with the grief of not just losing a fictional character but a real person as well i thought it was really well written into the fact that they made shuri the next black panther uh, the successor and not you know someone uh, uh, not basically the obvious nakia who's lupita who's played by lupita uh, who many expected to be the next black panther because obviously because of who she is um, i thought it's really nicely done it was a vulnerable film it was a little messy uh but i i really did think it worked as more than just an ode to uh to chadwick boseman and and the way his the way tichala's um, sort of spirit hangs very heavy through the film and the way shuri is grieving throughout the film and struggling because she is young she is a teenager uh, more or less and uh, she is also spent so long indoors and really inventing things that she doesn't know how to deal with life per se and she's thrown into the deep end in this film and because of that i like the duality that they use by introducing a villain like uh, namor who is basically the other side of the coin as far as the oppressed are concerned as far as colonization is concerned victimhood is concerned uh, that is basically the cautionary tale and wakanda obviously represents the way to go about uh, not revenge per se but like the way to go about building a civilization or or sort of coming back from a dark history so obviously there are two ways that shown in this and i like that they made shuri uh, sort of bang in between it going through a very batman sort of conflict uh, in this film and given that she is young and vulnerable i believed it all the more and the grief i really believed i don't think it was um, i don't think it was put on i think it was very uh, I, i think it was very genuine especially from kugla himself Uh, who does not shy away from showing how the vacuum is so large after the death mm-hmm. of Bozeman even in this film couple of montages very moving montages that show him how he was in the first film and how Shuri is struggling i think that reflects our feelings about uh, the actor himself and how we were suddenly had to wake up one day and realize that he's no more and uh, i think mm-hmm. the film did it smartly i don't think there's a better way to do it uh yeah. a couple of things uh, because i have i'm still trying to work out my feelings about the film i didn't see it too far back and mm. um, i'll say this i i think it's a i think it's a very good film about grieving 
about the grief process. I like that the film gives itself time to grieve. It's again a very long film. It's 160 minutes, uh, which is um, I mean it's not long for a superhero film, which tend to be pretty long. But uh, some of the standalone ones still don't stretch to you know this long, and it's uh, it it really gives itself that time. I, a very telling thing that you know, you, as you know, when you see these films uh, outside of a press screening or even in a press screening, really, there are a lot of these like people doing woohoo's uh, through the film whenever like a Marvel thing mm. or a DC thing happens, and you know, some favorite character or something turns up out here. In this film, it took like a good hour and fifteen minutes or something for the first yeah. woohoo to happen in the theater when I was watching it. which is uh, a measure of how um you know uh, it's sort of uh, even evenly paced and like um, reflective this film is it's not in a hurry to kind of rush through the whole grieving process not going to take you through to like you know uh, an emotional breakthrough right yet it takes a really long time uh, nakia is not uh, in the picture for a long time because she's completely retreated from the film's world to Haiti because she just needs that time and uh, she's not there in the film so actually uh, for me i always felt that shuri was going to be the black panther to me that was the obvious thing and which brings me to a slight you know my my feeling is that both letitia right as an actor and shuri as a character do not quite have that weight um to you know that sits right as as the black panther i don't i don't think it was quite i i wasn't quite convinced uh by that transformation i i don't think it quite worked uh there uh, I, that was my um, that was my sort of um I I wouldn't say it's a problem but I didn't quite buy that. She uh, she still seems like a great supporting character and not like the prime mover of a film to me. I I kind of I agree with that absolutely in fact like that is a very sort of from whatever I've read so far of the reactions to the film uh, that's been a fairly common thing that has been said that you know um there was some dissonance between character and actor or between the transformation as well it wasn't as convincing as some may have liked but you know that's actually something that worked for me because you don't because we are so used to superheroes sort of looking and being the way they are or going through the go, hitting the same beats through uh, through a particular film and narrative or through a franchise and uh, sort of really um um you know playing to our preconceived notions of how superhero should be i kind right. of like that it worked like that as well because this for me was still not a superhero film like it wasn't about black sure it was about like a teenager struggling to deal with her grief of losing a brother and then you know like uh, going through more tragedy in this film and uh and she's not prepared and she's gone through more than and that basically makes her break out as an adult and uh and her as the black panther she's not prepared it's very obvious because she's 
even almost till the end of the film she is making wrong decision or she is driven by rage rather than you know uh, uh, an ability to reform or become a better person uh, so to say so i like the fact that she does not look the part or does not feel the part for most pa- most of the film and that kind of worked for me because it's really disarming as when as a viewer you see um you see that it's a superhero film and the main part of it that is the superheroism and the the dna of the film itself uh is brave enough to say that we haven't figured it out because of the grief sort of pervading through the film or because of the strong emotions uh going through the film everyone's being thrown into roles that they aren't used to playing the mother starts as the queen of queen of wakanda and she's quite clearly not uh you know she hadn't she had made peace with the fact that she would never have to do that role again and she's doing it she's representing them in the un again she's sounding firm she's putting on a performance for the outside world mm-hmm. but in the inside world you know she's still uh, very wary of how her daughter is coping with the death of her brother and her daughter is an introvert and she's having it difficult compared to most other adults in wakanda i found i found it uh, even though i knew that she would become the next black panther i found it uh quite nice that she didn't have to look uh the part uh you know towards the end of the film uh even you know not just physically or anything but more on a more on a visceral sense where you know you reach a climax you reach that marvel battle in the end where two mm. battles are going on one on an island one in the water and and you see there's a lovely beautiful moment towards the end where uh where you see a montage of the underwater kingdom crosscut with a montage of wakanda mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you can really and it's a lovely internal moment that we don't often see in superhero films you know making a sort of socio political statement like that uh, making something so obvious uh, look so beautiful I, i just thought that only someone like shuri can think of uh, something like that only can dawn upon shuri the way they showed it like um, right. uh, the the way she thinks of the world the way it's not fully formed but she suddenly an epiphany comes to her and that epiphany means more because she's not prepared to be uh, the kind of person she is already or the superhero she's forced to become uh, way younger than her age so yeah so like on paper on on you know as a film as a um, as a sort of story itself maybe it doesn't work so much uh, in terms of black panther but i felt like uh overall if you're going to take if you zoom out and say that this is just another film trying to deal with the aftermath of something they did not expect i thought uh, yeah i thought like there was a it was sort of moving the way it went let's talk a bit about um, namor and the talukan and all because i thought mm-hmm. those were fascinating and it's actually inst- interesting that for now two films running the uh, the antagonist uh, is the most interesting character i think in the film i think with killmonger in the first black panther and with namor in the second i'll butcher the name of the actor but tenoch huerta mejia it uh, plays him and he is wonderful mm. and um, it's i like that they are as proud a race as anti imperialist a race as as wakanda and uh, their uh, in sort of draws on on astic uh, uh, um, history and mythology and um, it's um, 
they speak a mayan language i think yeah and uh, it's um, it's very well realized uh, by um, uh, by by ryan kugler and uh, it's it's interesting that you know it's uh, it's really just depends whose perspective you're telling the story from because they could absolutely be the heroes of of this yeah. film uh, it's just that you know we are seeing it from the eyes of of wakanda and and shuri and uh, therefore it it looks a little different but uh, they're um, uh, a very fascinating uh, uh, antagonist or maybe even anti-hero really uh, uh, through this film yeah very uh, absolutely right because like it, first of all it's a very complicated sort of um, antagonist or anti-hero to sort of introduce because of the way the world looks at wakanda and now we have this new kingdom uh, coming up from nowhere and as you said you know it's a cinema perspective where you basically they might have been the heroes of any other film and they are for me they were never the villains like he was never the villain villain in this film the only thing that really distinguished him from someone like shuri or wakanda is the fact that he is willing to be angry about what's happened to his race and his civilization which is the entirely natural and human thing to feel uh, and it is exactly what killmonger represented in the first film and yes, it is right. exactly what um, chadwick boseman's it's what makes chadwick boseman's black panther so great and so timeless that he uh, was willing to take a step back and look at history uh, from a macro perspective and not just be reactive uh, and be basically uh, look at justice in a different way by like building your own sort of civilization kingdom be better than the world that oppressed you for so long and still not throwing it on the face of all the imperialists and the uh, and the you know and the USA and the western capitalism world and um, that anger is what distinguishes the heroes and the villains in the black panther franchise but nobody is wrong and that's the good thing about the franchise that it did not compromise on that duality in this second film as well because it's pretty much the same hero villain equation that we have in this film except the difference is that the hero so to say is grieving and trying to figure out if which direction she wants to take um, yeah. whether she wants to become another killmonger and she has a scene with him in this in on on the uh, in that entire sort of um, whatever you call it yeah that was a unexpected scene but uh, and very nice because it really drives home the point of of shuri's character as well and yeah. that she's struggling internally and she's one uh, maybe push away from becoming namor or killmonger and i really like that it's based on that conflict of course the antagonist is more interesting because you know i also found the fact that you know uh, it is someone like shuri i found it that uh it was designed to be that way and it didn't really frustrate me as much but it it sort of really drove home uh the fact that when you're making a film about two historically uh, about about leaders of two historically oppressed civilizations or races um there's nobody really uh wrong or dark it's just about how you choose to deal with uh sort of surviving and coming back and that's the difference between the two kingdoms here and that's why the two monta- that's why that lovely montage towards the end of the film puts into perspective so much 
and uh, and that that really sort of defined um, you know Wakanda forever for me. Yeah, I um, I, I I thought uh, the I, I was really uh, happy when Killmonger turned up in that scene actually because then it at least it, I think it gave uh, it gave a kind of uh, edge to Shuri's uh, ascension uh, 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 to the Black Panther and uh, it kind of gave it stakes which it would not have if if Angela Bassett had turned up in that scene which I I thought was going to happen or like some kind of CGI uh, Chadwick Boseman, which I'm very grateful did not happen. Uh, yeah. And uh, I, I, yeah, I, I thought that was, uh, that, that was a great idea kind of late in the film and, and it does sort of give a, I, I, and I, I'm not a fan of these sort of protracted ending Marvel battles now because they've just, I mean, they're the same thing every single time and it doesn't get anything but it just even then within that i think ryan coogler finds ways to be interesting i think he's just um, just the realization of of the the talukan uh, fighters and the way they look uh, it's it's just so it really is stunning and uh, when you when you sort of play that against the Wakandan uh, forces who are also, you know, stunning in their own way. It's just, it's, it's just a beautiful sort of, uh, it, it really looks like two ancient tribes fighting it out uh, rather than your usual superhero thing of, of people in a suit sort of blowing up other people in a suit. So the, yeah, there, there, there was that sort of beauty, even that. So even within the Marvel template, I think it has that kind of, uh, it, it, it's just eye-catching enough to kind of see you through the more, you know, Iron Man type moments which happen yeah. with, uh, with that. Uh, there's a there's an inventor character whom they bring in and they don't quite know what to do with through the whole film. So she just sort yeah. of hangs around and she'll probably be there in future Marvel films where she'll get some, you know, a more yeah. realized role really out here it yeah, apparently just... she's a legit character in comics so we'll obviously see more of her through the franchise but i, I thought this was a nice little sort of tipping point for for you know for marvel as well and you know just it just felt more uh more heartfelt than a couple of or the entire sort of uh that entire mcu template that we've gotten sort of so fatigued of over the years i just felt like this was a nice little um nice little reminder that there is still some soul uh and it, there's adaptability to these franchises like they can go in a direction and not be afraid of it and i, I and only kugler might have been able to pull something like that off even though it's not perfect it's a bit awkward but i, I like it and it's it's uh, it's a step in the right direction um as far as this particular franchise is concerned like i'm i would definitely be looking forward to you know like catching the next few films over the next few years and uh i, I found and the only like i in fact it was so unmarvel for me for most of the film that i almost cringed when i heard the word thanos at one point <laughs> yeah and, and, thanos, and i'm like oh shit this is that world award no way it does not even feel close to it why would someone mention thanos and pull me out of this like it makes no sense they don't even look like they belong to the same 
uh, universe, they are so much more evolved than that. That's the whole point of the Black Panther franchise. But yeah, I mean, it is what it is. These characters keep overlapping. You saw them in Captain America. You saw them in bunch of them um, sort of uh, all films sort of influence each other, which I hate. Um, but I like that this film can stand on its own. And uh, despite belonging to a particular big multi-billion trillion dollar franchise, it is a very, um, very soulful sort of uh, entry into the genre. Yeah, soulful is the right word, I think. I've, I i don't know, you know, how, how much I... Um, I don't know if I'd revisit it um, in the mm. future, frankly, but uh, given the circumstances and given a list of possible responses, I don't yeah. think you could have done much better than this. I, I think this was just about like the most dignified yeah. and thoughtful way of sort of dealing with what was like a very seismic thing. And, and, and I do like that you know, Kugler has probably been backed by Marvel to, yeah. to, you know, do it at a pace and in a way that may be a little bit alien to the, you know, to the uh, larger Marvel universe, really. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it as far as uh, Wakanda Forever is concerned for me. Anything else you'd like to add? No, I think that's about it. Hmm. Yeah, so that's that's a very versatile podcast we did today, like three very different films. Uh, was nice to sort of dive back in. It's like a time machine of sorts, dive back into all the three very different worlds. Uh, none of them were terrible. Uh, one was okay. But um, but yeah, it, it was a nice uh, little chat. And uh, we hope to be back soon again. I think there is uh, Drishyam 2 releasing this week. Uday, are you planning to watch it? Uh, I watched the first one, so yeah, I guess I might. Um, yeah, why don't you? Why don't you watch more? We can do this every week. We do do this every week. We don't always do it, but yeah, I mean, we mostly do it. Uh, it's uh, Drishyam too. Anything else? Um, there is, oh, there is um, uh, an English film called She Said, which is about the two New York Times uh, reporters. I, yeah, 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 the Weinstein. Uh, I mean, yeah. the the, mm. the Weinstein expose. Yeah, uh, so that would be interesting to talk about if we watch it. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty much it, uh, at least for last week's films. Uh, we hope to be back soon. Uh, and uh, yeah, till then, just write into us, write on, write to us on Twitter if you have any suggestions. Do listen to this podcast and let us know if you have any feedback. Um, uh, it's Uday Bhatia, bhatia.ud at gmail.com and Rahul, no less, at gmail.com. Um, thanks for listening and uh, take care.